Blog Talk Radio. Today is the 19th of May. We're just trucking along over here, and there is so much to talk about in this what feels like quiet that's now kind of ramping up again, but there's, you know, a little bit of chaos wrapped around all of that. And at the same time, you know, people are kind of just taking matters into their own hands. And yesterday, I wanted to talk a little bit because now we've been put away for a while and we started to see parts of ourselves that maybe we were just busy, too busy to face or deal with or even get to. And we talked about the ego and how the ego tries to justify arguments, self-made arguments, self-made thoughts, and it tries to create a world around itself. And if you don't catch it, you're going to live in that world, and you're never going to feel like you know yourself. You're going to be like, gosh, who am I? Like, why am I doing this? And, you know, when we start having questions like this, a lot of it has to do with us not running our own lives entirely. And it, it is that, you know, invisible thing called ego that gets invited in based on whatever insecurity we are feeling about ourselves, and it, it makes it easy for that to happen. Anger, different ways we react to our anger. Because once we do feel anger, the door that you had that doesn't let ego in or, you know, might say, oh, that's ridiculous, that flips wide open. That door flips wide open. So what I've been doing lately with the last few, maybe more than that, during this time, a lot of the shows, because I have been writing more. I have been asking Christ different kinds of questions. There's like my relationship with Christ sometimes coasts along. Sometimes he's really, really quiet. And other times there's this huge, like I want to say, just involvement every day. I can hear him and I can hear him really loud. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I'm running back to this yellow pad that I had to go and make sure it followed me around the house. And the talk about anger just floored me because I never thought of anger as something that we can pre-assess. It's not like, you know, you wait till the argument and then you, you shout your, your whole thing out and then you go, God, I must have really been angry about that. That's not how Christ looks at anger. That's the result of it. That is the result of anger. 
But can we do today about things we feel like would upset us? Because whatever upsets you or me or any of us, or maybe makes us feel like, oh, there's no way, they don't do that in front of me, or that kind of thought. There's a reason behind it. Why, why you and that together? I mean, there's the normal things where people might, you know, try to verbally attack us or stuff, but that's a reaction to somebody else's anger. But I'm talking about our anger. Because we all have it somewhere. Someone's behavior, someone's comments. You know, there's like certain things that when they're put on my page and people call me and say, what's up with that? And then I say, I don't know. But something's behind it. But whatever's behind it has nothing to do with me. It's, it's whoever the person is, wherever they go. You can see by people's posts because we don't need to see people right now but you can see the the whole range of coping mechanisms by what we write what we say and why we say it we don't have to know the people it could be somebody from way across the other side of the world that we live in but we've learned that there, there really aren't huge differences and who we are, like Christ said, we're all the same, and then we're all different, and then we're all the same again. So instead of worrying about what other people think, because that's ego's way of, of strangling us from the outside in. It, it's like, you know, well, look, who are these people that think this about you? Like, who cares? You, you couldn't live a long enough life to deal with everyone, whoever everyone is. You're here to deal with you. And if you find yourself destroying the love that's coming to you, there are ways to deal with that anger. So the thing I want to talk about today, because he just gave me such insightful things. I was like, gosh, now I got to talk. First it's ego and then it's anger. But he said that anger is our sequestered voice. Whenever that anger got in us and we didn't see it coming, we keep wanting to answer that person even though they're gone and whatever they did, they don't remember. And if you told them, they'd be like, I didn't do that. I've had that. Or yes, I did. You took it too, too hard or I didn't mean it that way or whatever they say, but whatever I took, I'm living with that sequestered voice. So that's where it starts. That's the, the um, what do you want to say, the inception or the birth of that anger that we may be carrying around. So that sequestered voice just gets quiet. And in our mind, we're always, you know, imagining how we're going to tell that person off or what we feel like we should have said at that time. But then it makes us more angry because we didn't say it. We couldn't think fast enough. We didn't see it coming. But for whatever reason, that voice got shut down and you never got to exchange that energy or reciprocate it. 
So it goes off into closet number one, and it's in there. And then it might happen again. That's why kids who've had very authoritarian parents who, you know, it's my way or the highway, and as long as you're under my roof and, you know, you're sequestered, sequestered throughout your life, and you grow up and you're really angry, it's because it went behind door number one, door number two, door, and you have like 100 doors. But it's part of the argument that when we have them as an older person or even as a teen, that we burst. We burst because of the pileup. It's like a 10-car pileup on the freeway. They all got hurt. And for you, it's like anyone who comes near you and starts triggering that feeling like you can't make a decision or you're not heard. And you hold it and you hold it and then you burst. And then on top of it, instead of someone saying, because we haven't evolved to that yet, hey, you must really be hurt to be talking to me like that. They fight us back. And then we feel we have the right to fight for ourselves, but really we're protecting our anger. We think, you know, we shouldn't hold in our anger, and it's healthy to vent <coughs> Excuse me, and let it out. But ignoring and suppressing our anger is probably the most unhealthy thing we can do to our mind, our body, and our soul. Inventing it without addressing it is not any healthier. Cramming our anger down the throats of the people we love is going to push them away. It's not going to bring them closer. And in the end, we want them closer. We don't want them to be away, but we cannot get through this thing that's between us. Anger in real life, it's the voice that wants to repair, reset, and reestablish our balance. But because we don't know how to reach it, we are not taught how to reach it. We're taught everything. We're taught you know, everything we don't need and we're not taught anything we need. We need this emotional information so that we can address ourselves because this is this is what Christ said. Other than he did say that anger is the voice that wants to repair, reset, and reestablish balance. And that it is our sequestered voice. He said we can release it quietly through self-care. That we can release our anger quietly through self-care because all we have to do is get it to surface that's why it sounds so easy right all we have to do well of course but unfortunately for us we wait until someone triggers us and then we let it surface but it actually can surface through other ways can balance it But if we run away from it, it explodes, and then we reinforce it. So now as we get older, the anger grows because we don't believe that life can heal us. So then we get more angry. We get more mad that we are having a problem with ourselves, and we can't solve it. 
And then we start dumping it on other people. Nobody cares about me. Nobody this, nobody that. And that's ego's, one of its greatest tools, the nobody and the everybody statements. Those are ego's greatest tools because nobody and everybody are not responsible for each one of our lives. They're not going to be with us when we go back home and we're standing before God and we're going, oh, my gosh, I did that. Because if we could do that here, we're going to have a lot more life to explore, to live, to see, to enjoy. We're going to. So how do we do that? How do we bring out our anger to a point that we can deal with it and see it? And the way to do it actually is a way to improve our moods just even while we're alone. And it helps decrease or marginalize the negative feelings we have. Because we all have negative feelings about something. I have them, I know, about ill will. When someone's coming at me and I know their intentions aren't good and they're trying to convince me that I am the source of their issues and I think to myself, oh my God, I haven't known them long enough to even have created an issue like this. But you can't convince somebody when they're in their heat like that, I can go from zero to 60. Necessarily fight them back. I, I, I try to tell them the truth, which they can't hear, and sometimes it takes them a day, two days, a year, or ten years. But it's interesting because Christ said, your job is to just tell the truth if they get it in 10 minutes or 10 years, that's not yours. That's not your job. I can't get it for someone. Just like you can't get it for me, you can't heal for me. You can only heal for you, right? Think about that. So if you want someone else to heal you, what are you really asking them? Someone can give you the tools. But the healing can only happen inside your brain, your heart, and your soul. So how do we take care of ourselves in this way? You know what the first thing is? Is to listen to music that has like a positive tone. Even if it's music without words but that makes you actually feel happy. There is an effect on us. <clears throat> Sorry about my cough. I think I probably need a ton of water right now. But listening to music was the first thing. There is music with words. Singing with that music that has a positive tone. Because when you sing it, you are saying it. And when you are saying it, your body lifts itself out of that place 
It lifts itself. That's the beauty of music. That is when the angels sing. I know there's a lot of crazy negative stuff out there, but that will also take you down a different pike and will create greater negativity and greater access to doing things that you probably would not have done without it. Positive begets positive. Negative begets negative. I remember days, because I don't, I don't do this anymore. I, I grew myself out of it, but when I used to get depressed, when I felt like my passion was squashed, when I felt those things, I used to look for music that matched that mood so that I could cry, so that I could feel worse, so that I could let it out somehow. I needed to feel understood. And there were like certain songs I would listen to that would remind me how bad things were or are. I did that. But because I did that, I can understand what Christ is saying. Positive begets positive, negative begets negative. But you don't do this in the height of your anger because there's no way to reach yourself once you've hit that place. But when you're feeling okay, take the time to do the things that can heal you so that you don't have to swing with that pendulum to the other side. The second thing, and this one saved me. This is, this is the one that brought me to you. Write down your thoughts and emotions. Because I did that, because I did that, in the beginning I did it because I was desperate. I had no one to talk to. And what made me think to talk to God? I don't know. But I know that I had no one to talk to. So I started writing to God because I did not have a friend. I got married. I came here. All my friends were my husband's friends. And my husband didn't talk to me unless he was telling me what I was doing wrong. And the list got longer as the marriage got longer. But when I started writing my thoughts and my emotions, it helped me get on top of it instead of under it. Because I would ask God, like, God, I can't, I can't figure this out. What's wrong? What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? Every time he got mad, I worked harder. I tried harder. I was looking for that that little breadcrumb of approval. And then I realized after 10 years of it, 11 years of it, 12 years of it, 13 years of it, that there would never be enough that I could do. And I broke down. Because now the thoughts with the solutions were overwhelming to me until they weren't. But I got there to God. And I know this is going to sound funny, but when you write to God, I almost felt like I had permission to protect myself. Permission. But that permission was always there. I just didn't know it. But I found out through writing my thoughts and my emotions. 
And I asked so many questions. How could a person who has children, a home, and money not be happy? I thought those were the markers of happiness. And to my surprise, I found out they weren't. Not for everyone anyway. But by writing it down, I was able to see it come back at me. It like added another sense to it. The third one that you would never think about to draw. Even if you don't know how to draw, get a pad and draw. Because you will see how you see the world just by what you draw. I know how to draw like two things really, really well. I know how to draw a smile face into anything. I can draw a flower. I can draw a face. I can draw a bunny. I can draw whatever I want to draw, but I make it smile. I always do that. When I used to send my rent checks and I didn't have, I didn't have money and it, would, it would probably took me three or four days to find a way to get that paid by that day after paying everything else. And I would put a smile on the checks. Because I did not want to be taken down. It's not about drawing a masterpiece. It's just about drawing here and there. See what, you, see what comes out of your hands. You will be surprised. Other one, we have done shows about this. And I know people meditate, and it's a great tool. I, I, I think I meditate when I write because I can't just sit and try to think of nothing because I don't know how to think of nothing, because even when I'm trying to think of nothing, I'm still thinking. So I don't know. I, I commend people who can do it. I don't know how to do that. And I have tried. I've given it the best try I can. But the only thing I can equate to how people tell me they feel is when I'm writing. I'm like, oh, I feel that when I'm writing. But it's not about the meditation as much as it is about the practicing, the deep breathing. When we breathe, and we've done many shows on this, so for the new listeners, there is a part of us in our gut. They have the chakra thing. I I don't know all the chakras, and they have different ways of, of calling it, but it's just deep breathing. And if you can breathe to your belly and come back up and hold that breath and let it out, We are touching home every time. That's why people who shallow breathe for a long time feel anxious because we haven't touched base. Just about touching base. How many times did you just actually take a deep breath during the day? And it doesn't even happen once a day. It happens like once in a while. And we go, oh, my God, I I forgot what that feels like to breathe that deeply. That's how rare it is. And one of the things that came out of this quiet time, because they're trying to, I don't know about any other country, but they're really rushing 
America back because they're pretending right now that this didn't happen or it's not happening while it's happening. And it's not good or bad. It's just what's happening. But in the quiet time, we all got to that practicing deep breathing without even knowing it. We just were like, oh, my God, I'm off calendar. Oh, my God, I don't have to go anywhere for a while. And I'm in this box of where I live. And what do I do now? Who am I in this home? All this stuff I've accumulated that I barely have time to do anything with. And we found ourselves breathing. And weirdly enough, we found ourselves talking about our feelings with the people that we just thought knew us enough to not have to talk about our feelings to. We are rediscovering our circles of the people we live with and are affected by in life, for the most part. Everyone has their family. And yet we are learning more about each other, which helps us diffuse our own angers by talking them out in times of non-angry moments. And we heal. There's arguments that say we don't need healing or we do need healing and they're all great. But at the end of the day, we feel better. Maybe we can call it that. But we talk about our feelings, especially with everything that's going on in our world. There's a lot to talk about. And it reflects itself in our conversation by how we feel about the world. When we are harboring anger, we want to right the wrong world. We want to right the wrong people. They, they, they. We talk like that a lot because we figured it out. They're wrong. We're going to protect ourselves. But once you've dealt with your anger, I look at people who are protesting or people who are saying stuff that's the complete opposite of anything I would ever say. And I would tell myself they have just as much a right to believe that as I believe this. Because I don't need to have anger. Even though those people might be shouting things at other people, they have a right to say those things. I may not like them, but they have a right to say them just as much as I have a right to feel what I feel. But if I feel I only have the right because I'm right, that makes them wrong. And if I think they're wrong, I am going to be more apt to get in a fight with them, argue with them, shout back at them, because I myself haven't come to terms with me. So now I'm going to write all the wrong people. Do you see how that works? But in this time, I have gotten to see and know things about the people around me that I know I could have lived the rest of my life and died and gone back home before I would have seen it or heard it. And to my surprise, they have been really good things, really beautiful things. 
and it heals because I feel more secure in the fact that if I ever do, well, if, when I ever do leave, then my kids are going to be fine. I can trust who they are. I can trust who they think they are. I can trust that I did my best job and that they will live a good life based on being able to make decisions that aren't stemmed from holes. Because we avoid things like character assaults. We know when to stop talking. We know. We know if we hurt the other person, we come back and say, hey, you know what? That wasn't okay. We talk like that. We shouldn't accept this behavior. So what are we going to do about it? So I hope that just gave a little bit of insight about why we feel angry. My time is already up. I will see you tomorrow. You guys have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.